It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Welcome to the Bloomberg P&L Podcast. I'm Pim Fox, along with my co-host, Lisa Abramowitz. Each day, we bring you the most important, noteworthy, and useful interviews for you and your money, whether you're at the grocery store or the trading floor. Find the Bloomberg P&L Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at Bloomberg.com. Let's now turn to our own uh, Supreme Court reporter for Bloomberg, uh, Greg Store, to give us a little bit of detail about this. And, Greg, uh, just to bring everyone also up to date, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, lower right now. Markets are selling off. Uh, the Dow is down eight-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 also lower by about 19 points. Uh, Greg, uh, maybe you can give us your thoughts as to the tactics of the questioning and uh, whether this will have any effect on the outcome of the nomination vote. Well, Democrats are doing basically what they advertised they were doing, which is, uh, first of all, trying to cast them as somebody who sides with powerful institutions rather than the little guy. Uh, and they're raising questions about uh, the extent to which he would uh, rely on or instead overturn storied precedents like Roe v. Wade. Uh, you know, it, this is probably not uh, changing a lot of minds, but there are some Democrats who are uh, still on the fence or haven't said what they'll do, and I'm sure they're paying close attention. Greg, uh, one particular item that caught my attention was that Gorsuch refused to preview any possible ruling on President Trump's travel ban. Is this pretty much par for the course that any potential uh, Supreme Court nominee would decline from talking about anything specific about anything <laughs> unless it was sort of set in stone? Yeah, and certainly a case that's in the in the courts right now. This is a case that he knows there's an excellent chance he will actually have to rule on this in a matter of in a matter of a few months. Uh, I thought it was a fascinating exchange there with him and Senator Pat Leahy, a Democrat from Vermont, uh, where the senator was trying to give him you know slight ver hypothetical variations like could you uh, prohibit that. all June, Jews from entering the country, um, and you know he, he, you know could we have a religious test? And uh, you know generally Judge Gorsuch uh, you know did try very hard to say. I can't commit myself to, uh, you know, anything. There are these principles in the Constitution. There's equal protection. There's due process of law. There's, the, you know, a statute that protects religious freedoms. Those all, all make a difference, but I'm not going to tell you how I, how I might rule in a particular case. Greg, can you comment on Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican from Utah, and his line of questioning in the context of not only this nomination hearing, but the lack of any hearing for the previous nominee to hold the Supreme Court chair, uh, Merrick Garland, who was nominated by former President Barack Obama. 
Yeah, the, the uh, I, I didn't catch all of the exchange, but Republicans have been been making the point that uh, you know this this was different. This was an election year. Uh, we put the you know it was basically up to the voters to decide: Do you want Donald Trump filling this seat, or do you want Hillary Clinton filling this seat? The, the Republicans have made the case that uh, th- this was a way to give the people a voice in, in who was going to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, Judge Gorsuch did uh, have kind words about uh, Merrick Garland uh, at this hearing. Um, and I believe at one point, uh, one of the senators, I'm forgetting which one, one of the Republican senators uh, forgot who he was talking to and actually referred to him as Judge Garland. <laughs> well, I guess that you're not the only one that's forgetting <laughs> what's, who's talking and who's on first. Uh, you know, <laughs> just to put this into perspective, Greg, I uh-huh. mean, in general, do we get anything out of these hearings? Are they basically just an excuse to throw every single question you could possibly imagine at somebody and see if they mess up? Um, that is a big part of it, yes. Um, and uh, you know, 90% of, of the answers are, are fairly predictable. But there are some nuances, and for people who are really watching the courts closely, um, you, you know, there, there's some good substance in the nitty-gritty of, of what they say. And in addition, I, I think you know, people who might not agree with a, a nominee about some things do think there is some value in having Neil Gorsuch say Roe v. Wade is a precedent of the court and it's entitled to respect. Um, and uh, you know, every nominee who has who has come before the court or come before the Judiciary Committee uh, that I can recall has said something along those lines and that there is some value in, in just having the person say, say out loud that I'm not going to immediately move to overturn uh, precedent. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about cases that are going to be coming before the Supreme Court and which ones you believe are going to have the most effect on uh, business but also uh, on the legal issues presented by President Donald Trump. Well, the travel ban that we've already talked about, of course, is a big one that's hanging out there, and there's an excellent chance that gets to the Supreme Court one way or another. Uh, one, uh, you, you know, we're going to see – the court has been a little slow in taking cases while it's shorthanded, but if uh, Judge Gorsuch gets confirmed, I think you can imagine very quickly you'll start to see more cases about class action litigation and efforts to curb that. Uh, we may see a new case involving mandatory fees to unions, if you recall the Supreme Court deadlocked on that right after Justice Scalia died. Um, and we'll probably have issues about uh, arbitration. Um, certainly we'll have more patent cases. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of big business cases that Neil Gorsuch is going to have a chance to rule on. Greg Stewart, we really appreciate you joining us. I'm sure that it's going to be a busy uh, couple of days for you. Uh, and frankly, a couple of weeks. Greg Stewart, Supreme Court reporter for Bloomberg, talking about uh, the Neil Gorsuch confirmation hearings that we were listening into. He is testifying in front of the Senate. Uh, about his views and anything under the sun in his path to uh, go to the Supreme Court. In addition to hearings at the Senate Judiciary Committee on the nomination of Judge Neil Gorsuch to take a place on the Supreme Court, there was a meeting today between President Donald Trump and Republican leaders of the House to talk about repeal and replace the American the Affordable Care Act, uh, formerly uh, sometimes known as Obamacare. Anna Edney is our Bloomberg Healthcare reporter, and uh, Anna, I'm wondering if you could describe for us exactly what did we learn from that meeting. What we heard that President Trump said was if this health care bill doesn't pass, 
the Republicans are going to lose their seats in the 2018 election. So he basically said, do this or, you know, bad things could happen. And there were Republicans who are against this, um, who don't want to vote yes for it. And they still feel that way. They don't, I don't think that um, his pleas kind of changed that at all. I think they are actually afraid of the opposite. If, if they do vote for it, that the Republicans are going to lose their majority. So, Anna, can you put this into perspective as far as what the main issues are that some of the Republican representatives are fighting back on? Well, the ones who are still against it right now, um, a lot of them are in a very conservative group of about 40 members. They're called the Freedom Caucus. And their biggest issue is they just want a complete repeal of Obamacare. Um, And a lot of that isn't in this legislation because of the way that it has to be done to get through the Senate. They're using this sort of complicated process called reconciliation. And so they're not able to deal with a lot of the, um, for example, the regulations on insurance companies um, that kind of tells them what sort of things they have to cover and things like that. Um, and those won't be repealed in this this piece of what Republicans plan to do. And those who are against it want that done. They don't feel like they have assurances that it will get done down the line. They don't know that they can um, exactly trust the HHS secretary to do that on his own through regulation and that something like that would stand up um, in court. Does the president need these members of what you just described, the Republican Freedom Caucus, uh, such as uh, Congressman Mark Meadows of North Carolina, does he need their votes in order to get this to the Senate? He needs at least some of their votes. Um, You know, they can't lose any more than 21 members. And so you've got they need to get to 216. Um, And so he does need to flip some of those in even in the Freedom Caucus. And, you know, right now we don't know if they are opposed to it as a block, but we know that um, a lot of them are opposed to it and that the, the chairman who you mentioned, Mark Meadows, has said, you know, we have enough to block this bill right now. And so somewhere along the line between now and Thursday, um, you know, Paul Ryan and, and Donald Trump are going to have to flip some of them. Well, Anna, you know, talking about Thursday, can you walk us through what happens if uh, President Trump and House Speaker Ryan do not get sufficient votes to get this through on Thursday? What happens next? If they don't have enough votes, they're basically just going to have to go back to the drawing board and, you know, but but do they have time to do that? I mean, given what's going on with with Obamacare and getting the insurance companies queued up for any potential changes? There's not a lot of time to do it at all. Um, But. The the process I mentioned earlier that they need to get it through the Senate, this thing has to start in the House. So there's really they've got to find out what they can give to the um, the insurers or I'm sorry, to the conservative Republicans to be able to get this through. That might be something like moving a little quicker on those regulations to undo some of the um, the limits on insurers that Tom Price has said he would do. It might be bringing those to light because we haven't seen those yet. And that might give them some sort of assurance that this piece of the puzzle that they've been promised is going to happen. Is there any idea as to who would be most affected, meaning the companies most affected, if indeed the plan as it stands is actually passed by the Senate? Right now, that would be hospitals. They stand to lose you know, a lot of money because of uncompensated care, which kind of was the case before Obamacare. And 
Obamacare has been able to decrease that some because a lot more people had coverage. A lot more people were able to qualify for Medicaid. And so hospitals were getting paid when people went to the emergency room. And under this plan, um, in by 2026, there'll be 24 million more people without insurance um, than would have been if Obamacare had stayed the law. And so that's a lot of money for hospitals. And they're already stretched very thin and, and sort of closing in record numbers. Anna Edney, we really appreciate you taking uh, the time to speak with us. Anna Edney is Bloomberg Healthcare reporter uh, talking about uh, the GOP's plan to replace Obamacare and what has to happen on Thursday for this to proceed. Right now, just to catch you up uh, with markets, as Greg Jarrett was saying, you did have a stock sell-off that that is more significant than we've seen over the past couple of days. Also in the bond market, you could see the six-day rally in 30-year treasuries is the biggest since September. So uh, definitely a risk off sentiment. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg PL podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Pim Fox. I'm out there on Twitter at Pim Fox. I'm out there on Twitter at Lisa Abramowitz1. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.